I visited Tucker a while he was in Sri Lanka many years ago. I stayed there for several weeks. We toured around in an old uh, Mitsubishi Lancer automobile on its last leg. Uh, this is, is going to be kind of jumping from one thing to another as, as I think of them. And I proceed with some trepidation because there is an extant individual who may um, fact check. So in any event, back to the vehicle. Tucker drove it like substantially insane person. The roads were, were often dirt. And uh, we, we went all over the place uh, without any uh, plan. We just would head in a direction when we woke up in the morning. We stayed in what were bed and breakfast mostly, but occasionally we stayed in nice hotels. More about that later. Any, in any case, Tucker's driving. Um, <laughs> often I was in, in the back seat by choice. <laughs> Excuse my own humor uh, but but Tucker would would uh, would pass a vehicle and come face to face with a lumber truck carrying a, a large huge pile of trees a, a big diesel truck with a bulldog on the front coming at some speed towards us to the right and to the left were uh, occupied by cows and people and children and chickens and everything so there was no escape to the right or to the left so you had to get around, you, he had committed, so you had to get around that vehicle. And we would um, come so close that I just, to, to this uh, huge diesel, very heavy truck, that I would just close my eyes. So I finally got into a perpetual state of closed-eyedness. But as is painfully obvious, we both survived. And, 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 and with no mishaps until while he was parking it at one of our luxury hotel accommodations, just putting it in the parking lot. He backed up into a tree or a rock or something like that and damaged probably one of the quarter panels, just, you know, crunched it, which itself is an interesting story because he didn't seem to be too worried about that. The vehicle belonged to a friend of his, he said, who had lent it to him for our use during my visit. The next morning, we headed into town, whatever town that might be. It was probably, it was probably Colombo, which is the capital of Sri Lanka. And we headed into town, and he seemed to have some idea where he was going. So he stopped at a little repair shop, and the proprietor came out. It was a very small thing right down the street. The proprietor comes out, greets him, and starts talking. And... Um, I'm just standing there trying to find something to take a picture of because I was constantly carrying my Nikon F3, probably. That was this is pre-digital. And Tucker proceeds to uh, we drove in in the car. Tucker proceeds to the rear of the establishment, and he disappears from view. And I sort of twirl around a little bit there for not very long and kind of try to walk back there, but I find it. Uh, plainly off limits to me, so I go back up to the street. 
And notice that a workman has already removed the quarter panel and has it on the cement floor, flattening and straightening it out with a with a hammer. Uh, in other words, he started work immediately, even while the owner was negotiating the price and the like. The interesting part about that was we had to replace a tail light on an old Mitsubishi automobile, which I thought would be pretty difficult. But turns out it was no problem. The thing was ready literally that afternoon at a cost of probably, what, 40 U.S. dollars. <laughs> would have been 10 times that in the U.S. at the time. So we proceeded on our merry way. As I say, we stayed in all sorts of accommodations. We generally actually tried to stay in non-air-conditioned uh bed, in effect, bed and breakfasts, in other words, rooms in people's houses or similar low-rent uh, places and occasionally stayed in the high-rent district. Where we stayed in Sri Lanka, for example, was the Gulf Face Hotel, which is a beautiful colonial hotel with colonnade at the rear with, with uh, a large sloping yard or lawn down to the Indian Ocean, which at, at which point there was a pool. I, I remember Tucker and I would go down to the pool and you could just look out onto the ocean. And we, we'd sit there and for some, in some magic way, Tucker was able to summon a waiter to bring us cool drinks. And the guy would come with a, you know, waist-level, Eisenhower-level jacket, blue, dark blue, with brass buttons. And he would come out there with our drinks on a silver tray. And the hotel was like a hundred yards or more up the, up the hill. He would come down there and we would be at the pool on the far side of the pool, so we were on the Indian Ocean side. He would set them down on the little table between us and then leave. And then when they ran out, somehow, Tucker was able to communicate again, and down he would come. Very impressive. I particularly remember the meal at the Golf Ace Hotel. We had it in the open colonnade on the back, uh, a sort of narrow, long, um, open area out, outside with tables, you know, and low candles and all the accoutrements, you know tablecloths and silver and crystal and the like. And we had a, a, I don't know what class you'd call him, but he was a world-class chef, so you got tiny food, <laughs> like you see on the TV food, food shows when the three-star chefs go to work. But it was delicious. And, don't remember the exact price, but very cheap. One of the rooms I remember in particular, and I don't remember where it was, it seems like it was in a, just a dusty little old town, but it was one of those old elegant hotels, kind of shabby at the, at, at, by this point. But the rooms were big and they had these large windows that looked out upon the jungle in effect with big wooden shutters and a broad front porch where, for example, I had my breakfast of mangoes and coffee and 
freshly squeezed juice. I, I had that breakfast. I had one particular breakfast like that, which I remember. I, I think I particularly remember it because I took a picture of the of the mangoes and stuff. But Tucker was not with me, and I sat there alone and just looked out on the street and vehicular traffic in front of me and marveled at the freshness and beauty of the fruit and the wonderful taste it had. In any event, back to the room, I, we had, I had picked up a, a batik of a rabbit and I hung it in the window and I can, I can just see it now. You know, I just sort of tucked it up around so it would hang in the window and the light would show through it. And there'd be little dust motes coming into the room and we had these large beds with, with uh, the mosquito netting over them. It was really charming and mysterious and very calm and very British and very nice. Tucker would characteristically become involved in whatever was going on along the roadway. For example, one time we stopped at a, I guess you could call it a quarry. It was, it was um, uh, an operation making what appeared to be gravel. At the, at, uh, so we stopped on the side of the road and there was a little cut, cut away into the mountainside, so to speak. It was a huge, huge wall of dirt and clay and everything at the end of this little cutout there. And up about halfway up that thing, which would have been about, I don't know, the guy was 40 or 50 feet up in the air, uh, chopping out these rocks out of heavy dirt like clay and dropping them onto the ground and the people would take the rocks around and carrying up, carry them up a little, little hill where, where there was a rock crusher. So the process which you could see from the road, you, you couldn't really notice the guy because he was way down there, way up in the air. So you didn't really know where the rocks were coming from, but right at the road, you know, just a few feet off the road, were these people carrying these rocks up a little pathway up to the top of this hill where this sort of old clanking crusher, very loud actually, crusher was crushing this stuff up into, into little smaller pieces. And there were mostly girls carrying those rocks up, in fact, probably exclusively. So Tucker, as usual, has to get involved with the labor. So he starts carrying the rocks up there to the great delight of the, of the workers. And he talked to them and made friends. And it, it was perhaps one of the first times that I noticed how people in Sri Lanka doing hard, heavy manual labor, there were large rocks, uh, were always happy. And I thought at first, smiling, you know, just see their teeth. Always, it was a constant thing. And at first I thought it was like a reaction to the tourists, to the American, you know, with some hopes of getting a tip or, or praise or something. But no, everywhere we went, they were like that. I mean, even as we approached from a distance and you could see what they were doing and perhaps they hadn't noticed us yet, uh, they would be smiling 
and 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 uh, chatting and laughing and having a having a good time, and it would be close to a hundred degrees, with high humidity, and they were carrying. Fifty seventy-five pound rocks. So Tucker carries some rocks. Another time, <laughs> it was and the loads were even heavier. We stopped where they were, where the work gang was was taking sand out of a river. So the process was there was a guy or maybe several several guys down in the river, like standing on rock rocks and digging the sand out of the river and putting them in sandbags, which were pretty large. They weren't our keep out the water from the levee sandbags, but, but larger than that, close to 100-pound sand, sandbags, as Tucker described them. And again, there were young women carrying them up this very steep hill, about a 45-degree grade hill up to the top, stacking them up or something, I don't remember, the ultimate disposition at the top of the top of the on the top of the hill there you know up at the road road area so Tucker goes down there and Tucker is young and strong and in good shape at this point in time and still is incidentally this is uh, April of 2020 in any event Tucker goes down there and, and ch ch chats and chats in the, in the native tongue and volunteers, and of course they, they, they're loving that because they want, they want to see him struggle. And struggle he does. He has a tough time getting that 100-pound sandbag up that hill, and the girls are just walk, like walking right on by him. These young, like 16, 18, 19, 20-year-old girls, I don't think there was a, a man in the group. They, they may be, I don't remember, but it seemed like they were mostly girls. So I think he made one trip and decided he would better turn back into a tourist and take a few snapshots <laughs> instead of carrying too much more sand. Another time, and and this one uh, this one I remember because of a photograph, he goes out into a rice paddy. It was really a hot day, and we stop and I stand in the shade by a well, you know, with the with a little rock build up there with a little. A well house there, hoping there would be some coolness because it was water down down in the well, but it didn't help. It was just brutally hot. In fact, I thought I was gonna like basically pass out. So he goes out into the rice paddy, and you can walk on certain areas, you know, like elevated, dry, relatively dry areas in the in the, in the uh, rice paddies. So he walks out there to to see some workers and they're bent over, you know, planting the rice. And what I remember is that he just suddenly picked up, sort of almost out of nowhere, a group of about six or eight little kids that followed him like the Pied Piper. So the picture is just this vast photograph I took. It's just this vast green area of, of rice, you know, really short at the time, hadn't grown very, very much. And um, Tucker walking down one of these little walkways with about eight eight little kids behind him, like followers. So he stayed out there a good while because I was just I just slid down the side of that little well there and panted.
waiting for him. It was a wonderful trip. Tucker is, is and was and is an excellent host. Very thoughtful, very kind, very attentive, very pleasant. And of course, knowledgeable and smart and strong. I just, I had such a good time. I remember one time, something, something, I was afflicted with something. I forget what. It wasn't a cut or an upset stomach or anything like that. I, in any event, I needed medical attention to the point that I acceded in his suggestion that we go see a doctor. So we're in this scruffy little town. We seem like we passed through a million of them. They all look the same. You Like you'd go down the main street and there'd be vendors selling everything in the world, you know fruit and coconuts and animals and everything all down the side of the road as you went down the main street of this dusty little town. People, you know, walking in the streets and everything. All kind of transportation there. Not not that many cars, of course. In any event, we are stopped in this town. We're not going through this particular one. Maybe we stopped to get something to eat, which incidentally, talking about the eating, we ate on the roadside most of the time. Sometimes we went into restaurants, but they were roadside restaurants. Occasionally we would go to the fine restaurants, either in the hotel or, or you know, at, to a restaurant. But most of the time it was roadside. And you would not be really pleased with the sanitary conditions in these places. I remember the bread, for example, would be displayed out and uh, in just little racks, homemade big loaves of round bread, and uh, there'd be flies crawling all over it. And if you wanted to order, buy a loaf of bread, they'd just shoo the flies off of it and hand it to you. One thing we did do, though, and, and I never had any problem with that, never got sick, nor did Tucker, from the uh, food. But, but what we did, and what we were very careful to do, was always drink bottled water. We never drank the local water. In any case, back to the doctor story, we, it turned out I went along with the notion to, get a, to go see a doctor. And uh, so I must have been feeling pretty bad. So we just go into this place on the main street with a sign, apparently, because I, I couldn't read it, but Tucker could, that said doctor. But I didn't know what kind of doctor he was going to be. So in the front room, there was um, a, a counter to the right. And behind that, just many, 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 many little drawers with stuff in it, like roots and herbs and plants and all that kind of stuff. And there was a guy there. We said we wanted to see the doctor. So he ushered us all back into the back room where the doctor was. The doctor was a very impressive man. He sat me down. He had a, a nice clean little joint there. And uh, he looked like a doctor. And he sort of took my hand as almost as in greeting or 
I don't know, in, in, in some sort of therapeutic move. You know, it wasn't a, wasn't a handshake, but it was like he just took my hand, and I noticed he was looking at it, but not making such a big deal out of it. And then he looked at me, and he asked me a few questions. Unfortunately, I don't remember what they were. And then he says he's going to prescribe something for me. So I'm a bit skeptical, of course. And uh, he ushers us out to the front room there from his back office, instructs his assistant what to, what to prepare, and he prepares this potion in a little bottle, about like four inches tall, or five, maybe it's a little bit bigger than that. It had a little label, but it wasn't in English, so I didn't know what it said. And it had all sorts of ground up things, you know, like goose wings and bats feet and all that. Not really, but it had something in it, but it was a liquid. So great skepticism, I paid the, what was it? Three dollars or something like that for a doctor's visit. It's just amazing. But I was impressed with the man's competence. He was calm and he was intelligent and he was well-spoken. So we get on back to the car and Tucker says, well, go on and take your medicine. I said, what? He said, yeah, just drink it now. So I take a little swig out of this thing, thinking about how to call, <laughs> sit back in the car, and lo and behold, it's less than an hour until I'm like basically cured. So, so now we had this miracle remedy which we cherished and guarded with our lives. <laughs> in case anything else befell us, we would, we would have the cure right there, no matter what it was. And, and, and I was actually cured by whatever that man put in there. So doubtless, needless to say, I was incredibly present, uh, uh, impressed. And, and to going back to him taking my hand, I think that he was looking at, you know, you can look at things like the, like the cuticle. You can feel, my, you know, the dampness of my hand, if, if relevant. Possibly he could tell my pulse by holding my hand. I think he possibly reached up with two hands and maybe got my wrist too, so he could have gotten the pulse that way. And, you know, he could look at the color and all sorts of things like that. And then he looked at me and looked deeply into my eyes and everything. I, I think he made a pretty comprehensive, and then he listened to my symptoms. I think he made a pretty comprehensive uh, uh, exa uh, examination. And based on that information, he made a conclusion. And it was the correct conclusion because the potion he prescribed worked. Things you just keep popping into my mind in no particular order or reason. I, re I remember Tucker's place of residence, which was called City Coda. Uh, and it was a fairly large, um, what would you call it? Um, not concrete block, but some sort of stucco type material like that. Out in the middle of nowhere, it had a um, a, a well in the side yard. It was, seemed like it was divided into two compartments, deep, cold water, where he got drinking water and also bathed. Very interesting spot. And then the road, <laughs> this is so amazing, the road into it, and like I say, it was out in the middle of the jungle. The road into City Coda was narrow, and there was an automobile 
uh, lying on its side. In other words, like on its passenger door with the four wheels sticking out into the air so that as you drove by, you saw the undercarriage of the car. And the car was parked so close to the road that you literally had to slow down to almost being stopped in order to ease by this car that was there on the side of the, basically in the road, uh, so as not to hit that, hit that car. And I just thought that was the most unusual thing. Then one day, uh, we stayed there several days. It, incidentally, Tucker gave me his bed. There was only one bed there. It was basically what I would call an army cot, but it was comfortable. And he had it all made up for me and everything. And uh, I slept well. And Tucker rolled out a little um, coconut mat, you know, ma like made out of long matchsticks, you know, woven together, about a, a, an eighth of an inch thick. Rolled it out on the concrete floor and lay down and was sound asleep in a matter of minutes. Slept there all night on the concrete floor on a mat, thin mat. But one day, a kid appeared from out of the jungle and had some conversations with Tucker and maybe did, did odd jobs for Tucker. I don't remember actually him staying around there and doing any work. But one of the things I remember is that Tucker, we were drinking, as I say, bottled water, and Tucker gave him an empty plastic water jug for which he was immensely overwhelmingly thankful and it just brought it home something that we in the United States routinely contemptuously disregard was a was an item of great value to him so it was rather sobering As I say, we wandered all over the place with no plan, no destination. One time we, we were driving and it was getting later and later and later and darker and darker because we never had a, a destination in, plan, uh, in, 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 uh, in mind. We just would go until we could go no more and then we'd try to find some place to sleep. And we never ended up sleeping in the car. We always found somewhere. But this time it was getting a little touchy. And then we saw a sign, and uh, it indicated a, a motel. So, and it was set pretty well off the road, and it was this brand new motel, all shiny and everything, didn't have very many people there. So we were lucky to find that, and, and, and as was true all across the country, it was pretty cheap, and it was nice. It was a nice, you know, uh, better than Motel 6 Motel, and, a U.S. Motel 6 type motel. And as I say, it was new, so it was very pleasant. And it had um, a big, nice pool. Well, we were chit-chattering around, and we met um, a photographer. And he was a nice guy. He was, he was, a, he was a hustler and an uh, attractive guy in charge. And he asked us if we would pose for some of his pictures to be put in the brochure for the hotel and possibly online. 
as Amer and, and what we would be would be Americans having a good time in this new motel. So we were, we were delighted to do that. So we posed all around in the pool, you know, at the in the restaurant. He directed us what to do. So we had a great time doing that. And he was very complimentary and everything. No, no dough passed hands. But, and we never saw the pictures. I never got, he never sent us a brochure. But it was a lot of fun. Speaking of pictures, we took, I took a lot of pictures and so did Tucker. Um, and I, and I, we, and I printed, printed a lot of them. And we had a show when I came back, when we came back. We had a show at, the, at an empty office next to my office, or my law office on Bull Street. I rented for a bit of a while, maybe a year or so, that empty office. And, and it, was a, it was a gallery. It was a fine print gallery. And we had a show, and my mama came. Big deal. Had them all framed up. As a matter of fact, I think all of them necessarily weren't necessarily framed. Yeah, yeah, they were framed. And can't remember what. I don't think we had any of them for sale. There was a time when we had a show for Emily. For her, for, for her pictures taken, I think, mostly in New York. Uh, possibly other places. But, but Emily made some wonderful pictures in New York. And we had those printed and framed. And Emily sold most of them. But I don't think we had ours for sale. Anyway, we got some good pictures in Sri Lanka. I enjoyed the picture-taking part of it. As I say, Tucker, I had taken a, a camera for Tucker, and, and so he was taking pictures too and enjoying it. I'll go into the elephant story briefly, but not too much. We were winding around this mountain trail Tucker wanted to go up high for some reason, you know, to gain some altitude. So we passed some natives down at the lower part of our, in the lowlands where we started up. And they were running around with, with uh, torches, flaming torches in their hands, yelling and banging and everything to try to scare a big rogue elephant, I guess you could call it rogue, or I don't know, a large elephant, or elephants from coming into their village and just, you know, like walking through the village and demolishing their fragile little structures there. So Tucker talked to this guy, and the guy told him something, but of course I didn't know what it was. We get back in the car and we start up this narrow little winding road. It's getting on towards dark, and lo and behold, this huge elephant blocks us in the roadway. And Tucker starts, and it was terrifying. And I'm in the back seat of this Lancer. And I say to myself, hmm, what do I know about elephants? Well, number one, they'll stomp you. Number two, they can probably outrun you. Well, I'm in the back seat. So I, you know, I'm working up a plan B here. And I try to open the door and thinking, like, what will I do? Will I run up a tree? But I find I can't even open the door. So I just resigned myself, said, well, if I'm going to get stomped by an elephant, this is, this is the day. So this elephant just sitting there looking at us. And Tucker starts blowing the horn, like, get out of the way, elephant. All of a sudden, from down below, you know, I hear this yelling and yelling. And, 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 it's, and it's not the yelling that they're trying to get the elephants scared away. It's yelling to us, it's yelling at us, you know, like conversing with us through a yell. Well, then Tucker, what's he saying? Tucker said, oh, never mind. So we later find out 
that the guy is yelling to us not to blow the horn because elephants don't like horn blowing. It's like a, a threat to them and they will possibly charge. And it turns out that the week before, an elephant, probably the one standing right in front of us, had walked over to this little Toyota station wagon and stepped on the top of it and killed everybody inside. Probably took more than one step. But luckily, we didn't know that at the time. So the elephant does move on out of the road. We go on a little bit more, and we see a, a, a several more elephants. So they're just walking across this road. And... Uh, you know, I'm thinking they couldn't be walking across because maybe it's just later on. Later on, we, we, we after we get past the elephants, we, we go on up to a higher altitude and the road becomes very, very thin. Uh, anyway, I, I had to press the button here on the recorder. Um, the road was like in the mountains, you know, like on one side was foliage and maybe the, the gradient rising up to sail on one side. And the other side was just right straight down, like 500 miles down to your death, you know, like just straight down. There wasn't anything, no, no land on the other side. But I do remember the elephant walking from one side to the other. So, hmm. I'm not sure how I can square those two. But in any event, uh, we, we run into another elephant. And Tucker has kind of revised his strategy here. So he says he's going to back up away from the elephants, which I, I have been telling him all along from the first one we saw until now. Tucker, just back up. Just back up, Tucker. Don't, don't confront him. Don't blow the horn. Don't, you know, don't. Don't move the car towards them. So when we see, it, so we, we get free of the first one, and then he sees a, a bunch. This time it's two or three, and they're blocking the road in front of us. So he says he'll back up. Well, it turns out that by this time it's almost dark. In fact, it's pretty well dark. So he says, um, Now, you just look out in the back and tell me. You know, I, I got, pilot, pilot me, guide me. So I, I look out, and it turns out that there's no back uh, brake lights on this car. You know, when you put your car in, in reverse, he's, he's going to back up. Put your car in reverse, your little white brake lights come on and provide some illumination back there. But there wasn't any. So we are going backwards at some speed on a road that's barely wider than the car. And on one side is a precipice that is certainly several dozens of so feet down into rocks or whatever down there. I mean, it's just a straight drop off. In other words, you'd be dead. And we're, we're backing up and I'm saying, I'll go left, go right, like that. It was terrifying, but as I say, obviously we survived that also. We also went on a genuine safari, got in one of those Range Rover things, you know, that, that you see on the movies and TV with a couple of, you know, battle-hardened guys in pro appropriate gear and pith helmets and the like. 
and you and you drive around. So we, and I think you could get you could stand up in those things and hold on to something like you were in a a parade. You know, had a little bar coming up like that. So Tucker and I were standing up, looking around and everything. And they, these guys were driving us around, and um, we we were basically looking for elephants and and other wild animals. So we find these elephants, and they decide they want to come after us. So the guy is just backing the thing up as fast as he can, outrunning an elephant. I'm thinking to myself, is this their game plan? I mean, they, they've got to outrun an elephant every time they bring somebody on safari. But we got some pretty, <laughs> we got some pretty good pictures of that. <laughs> it was a wonderful time, but I see this recording is getting too long. I'm going to uh, end it up now. Maybe I'll do a part two for Sri Lanka because we certainly did a lot of stuff and it was a lot of fun. <laughs>